Hi, I'm Gwen. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Thank you for joining us once again. No, really. <laughs> no, really. Thanks. <laughs> so we are concluding our discussion this week on play and slate selection. What's a slate, Glenn? A slate is a series of shows that are done by a theater that comprise a season. Thank you. You're welcome. I... It's also a type of rock. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, sorry. <laughs> No, it's, I I was not really familiar with the term until probably a few years ago, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I guess I knew it. I, I think I was on boards earlier than you were. I think I was on a board. I've never been on a board. I've I was on one within the first few years that I started doing theater. They're boring. Uh, they're boarding. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I mean, <laughs> it's part of the business. So I think it it it. it I learned a lot. Serving on theater boards. I mean, I, I served several different positions: uh, vice president, president, uh, secretary. Uh, I think I might have even been a technical position, like the uh, I don't know. Oh, what do you call it? These technical department. I'm trying to blank. Sorry, that's uh, okay. <laughs> no, there's no, like we'll, a, we'll wait. <laughs> there's a uh, not necessarily a VP of the technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, position like it's like a committee chair i guess a chair yeah 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 that, that's i i think most theaters have like I, I don't really know entirely how it works but it seems like half of the board tends to be members and then the ha- the other half are committee chairs okay right that don't necessarily have actual committees though so i i, I basically despite having a committee of a, one yeah despite having been a theater president i still don't entirely understand how it works oh you're a theater president i was yeah i was president of forge for a year i guess i forgot yeah that's you were really, elected right i i was indeed elected yes which the, the membership elected me. i don't are... know why but they did elect me <laughs> you must have had a good uh, pos- uh platform platform yes yeah i don't know i i will manage to not run the theater into the ground and i did do that so <laughs> There you go. The theater is still around today, so I did not destroy it. So you lived up to your promises. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the whole play, the slate selection. Uh, well, this so, is yeah. all good background. Yeah, it is all good how this background. How comes into... Because it's usually the, the board, to uh, some extent, at most theaters, has a, has a lot to do with it. Um, well, they usually get, at least get final approval. Yeah. Even if it's... I, I, I don't even know any theater where they don't get final approval. I mean, I, you know, we keep talking about Barley Chief where the... Uh, membership select but the the board still has final say on that and and uh if something goes wrong with the season which did occur there this season where the rights were not obtainable uh the board decides what to do at that point there. well would there have been any other reason why the board would go against the vote if that's their process um i don't think so i mean I, i'm sure there must be a circumstance where it could occur um but i i, I tend to wonder how that would happen because you know, it's pretty much the the board is present at that meeting and runs that meeting. I, it's the uh, productions chair, uh, there's a committee chair. Uh, they run that meeting and they're the ones that go and go, okay, now the directors will present their shows to you and you will have your opportunity to vote. And then they go, okay, this is the show that was selected. And by the end of the meeting, they're like, this is your season for next year. 
So at that point, the board will have their meeting a month later. So I can't imagine the board would meet a month later and be like, yeah, you know, what? we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have figured that the board would have vetted the submissions before it went to vote. Yeah, I, I think that's the the, uh, the production's chairs uh, production chairs responsibility. Right. So at that point, the only thing that they, the only reason I would think that they'd have to shoot something down after the vote would be that you couldn't get the rights. Or... Yeah. I mean, there there have been circumstances where they couldn't get the rights, in in which case, there's usually an alternate selected. So depending on the situation, they'll either go to that alternate if it's appropriate, or they might go back to the director that had that show and say, hey, we couldn't get the rights. Is there something else that you want to put in? And as we talked about, that happened to you. That did happen to me. So that was uh, Ira Levin's Death Trap was the show that the uh, the membership selected. Uh, and there was also Chicago was selected by the membership. And we thought there might be some issue getting the rights for Chicago. They never even considered that there would be a, an issue for the rights for Death Trap because most of the time you don't have that problem with non-musicals. But both of those shows did not get selected. The alternate that was selected was uh, Our Town, but that was selected as an alternate for Chicago despite it not being a musical. So that was a case where... The alternate fit. Okay. And that was what they went to. Whereas with my show, they came back to me and said is there something else from that time period you would want? And, and, and so this is slightly complicated because this season is Barley Sheep's 50th season. What they had done was select one show from each decade that the theater had been around because they have a five-show uh, slate for the year. So the uh, year or the decade that Death Trap had been done was also the decade that uh, Don't Drink the Water had been done. So I said I would be willing to do that one. And that was a show I had considered in the past, so I had some familiarity with it, but I had eliminated it as something <laughs> that I was going to submit. So it was not my first choice, and it was not... I mean, it, it was not a bad show. It was a good show. I was proud of what, what we put up there, and the audiences liked it. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So so that, that can be a, a tricky situation. I could have just backed out, but uh, for me, I felt that I needed to support the theater, and that was something that like I had considered. So Right. So that's a really maybe a little bit more unusual way in which a theater would dictate its season structure. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was definitely unusual. And I think that's a lot because it was the 50th season and, it, and it's hard to get the balance that they normally wanted. Right. And they, you know, their, their rule is they must do at least one musical. They usually do two of them and they did have two in the season, but it ended up going down to one. Mm -hmm. uh, musicals do tend to make more money for theaters. So, so yeah, there's, but they also cost money, more money to sure. produce. So there's all these considerations from the theater's perspective of what, what they want in their season and when they want certain. Yeah. Certain types. shows do better at certain times of year. Sometimes it's easier to get a cast at a certain time of year too, which is a consideration. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, it could be, I guess, harder <laughs> to have a, a big cast in the, say in the fall show yes that that's something that i that i actually ran into because the show that i directed was a september show so auditions weren't as well populated as i would have liked i guess is one way yeah to and you're holding many of them in the summer when people yeah. are yeah people on are on vacation. vacation either they're away for the audition or they're going to be away for so much of the rehearsal process that they don't feel they can do that but i mean then again if you're doing like a you know a february or march show 
you're working a lot during the winter and you might lose a lot to yeah, weather right. in this area. Um, in my experience that I know about from a couple different theaters, they might st- typically start with a comedy mm-hmm. and wrap up with one. And then depending on the makeup of their season, they'll have the dramas or, uh, I don't want to say, well, controversial, I guess, or challenging, shows. challenging. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word. Challenging. Barney shows. Chief calls it the little gem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those tend to kind of fall in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess whether they do musicals or not, I, that, yeah, I didn't forge used to always start with a musical when they did I'm them. Honestly, not sure. Or they still I, do I, know them, I guess, right? Barley Sheaf like, tries to open with a small cast show. And I think their second show is usually where they try to put a musical second and last. I think mm-hmm. is where they try to do that. They try to get the big musicals at the end of the season. Cause that's when they're trying to push their next season. Okay. But I mean, every theater has a different approach, and I don't. I don't know that any one of them is right. <laughs> it's whatever. Well, a big uh, consideration for it is what they think the audience. Well, yeah, and some theaters have uh, polled audiences, and they'll they'll hand out questionnaires or they'll uh, hold just informal conversations with audience members. I've advocated for that mm-hmm. as far as doing that. I th- I think it should be done more, really, because. I think you get to a point where you're making an assumption well, about what you think your audience wants to see. But the other question is, and this particularly goes for community theater, you're getting a, at least some of your revenue from your members, from the people who like to do shows and like to perform them. Mm-hmm. So at what point are you losing the balance between what your audience wants to see and what your membership wants to perform? Yeah, that's been a, a concern. Yeah, and I mean, where where do you strike that balance? Where I, where do you think that balance should be struck? <laughs> I mean, is it like fifty fifty? Is it should you lean? Well, more it is a balance, membership? I think. Um, is if it just you're having you have a, to just keep adjusting, you know, it's catch twenty two. If you can't find people to do it, or if you can't find people to see it, you're yeah. in trouble either way. And I think that's uh, the where the approach of a lot of these theaters comes in, where you're trying to be like, okay, well. We can put in some shows that might have a smaller audience, but the membership's more interested in performing. And then we have some that, yeah, people do want to do them, but it's more of a stress to bring in the audience, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as I was alluding to earlier, yeah, the actual getting, actually soliciting uh, comments from the audience, I think, is a good idea because it can happen that over time, maybe you, the, the, the season ticket base can change over time yeah and well I think your assumptions may need to change also i think my experience with the season ticket holders when i first started doing this it was a it was an older crowd for the most part um and i think that still is what dominates it i think it's, yeah. it's more uh, older people but i mean you know not to be macabre or blunt or anything but these People are dying off. Or eventually they decide they can't afford the right. season ticket membership yeah, or anymore. It's, or it's too difficult to make it out anymore. Around. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Sure. So I, I think things have skewed a little bit younger. At least that's what I found. Or maybe it's just that I'm getting older and they don't seem as old. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's that's resulted in, I think, some of these more challenging shows doing a little better and getting a little more interest out there. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think is the best way 
to gauge that audience? Do you think it's best to just have informal discussions? Do you think it's better to, to have, you know, an actual written poll for them? Yeah, uh, I went to a show at Dutch Country Players uh, within the last couple of years. And I, I don't know if they did this at every show, but the particular show that I went to see, they did actually have like a survey mm-hmm. that they gave to all the audience members coming in and they filled it out. And, and do you think that's a better way to do it? I think it's the most direct way to do it because yeah. you hear firsthand what you know people think. You, you're not making assumptions anymore. Yeah. I think it's challenging to get uh, to get that feedback, even when you're handing out a survey. There's certainly no guarantee that everybody's going to turn it back in. No, of course not. Yeah. Um, but it it just kind of it helps you to. I think it would help to gauge, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not to be worried about. Oh, this play has three curse words in it or something right. along those lines, which, you know, that that comes up. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. I mean, um, the show that I just directed, I had, uh, because it was a show that the theater had done before, there was already a script there, and I pulled out uh, that, that script uh, that was left over from the first time the production had been done, and there was, uh, the line was, I believe, Jesus, look at all those communists out there. And the word Jesus had been struck out. And right. I mean, that's an issue for some people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I did choose to leave it in. That's how it was originally scripted. But, yeah, some theaters aren't comfortable with that. And, uh, and I mean, that's their right, uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of controversial because, technically speaking, when you get the rights for the script, at least with most production houses, they do require you to do the script exactly as written. So cutting out any single word is, is technically not allowed. And, but theaters do cut out curse words and that kind of thing. It happens yeah. all the time. Uh, genders are changed in roles, and technically that's not allowed either. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it's a necessity, just just based on who you get for casting. Like, you might not get who you need. You might not get the gender you need, and okay, well, we can change the gender of this character, and it doesn't actually affect the plot. So I've done that, and or, I've been involved in shows that have done that. Or, oh, no, the, the, the actor that was cast in this role doesn't actually have blue eyes, which are mentioned in the script that actually happened to a role that I played. <laughs> it was, uh, your eyes are very blue. It was the, the line that was supposed to be spoken to me. And I have hazel eyes. Right. So yeah, they changed that to your eyes are very deep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess you kind of have to, you have to roll have with it. to have some allowance for it. I mean, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think there's any production company that's going to be like, how dare you change the line from your eyes are very blue. And I mean, I don't think generally when you're dealing with a production, on a professional basis, your audience is really not that close to the stage and they're not going to see an actor's eye color for the most part. Uh, or they'll wear tinted contact lenses or whatever if it's really well, important. Well, okay, so that's a really specific example, but maybe something more obvious like hair color or, yeah. or height. or Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of things that, you know, there was something, there were descriptions the last show that I was in. Uh, I, I played, I was in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace and I played... A, a role, uh, Dr. Einstein, who was originated by uh, Peter Lorre, who is a, a small man, or was a small man. And I am not a small man. I am relatively tall. So there was a line in there that described the character uh, in great detail with weight and height and things like that. And one option would have been to change those lines to my weight and height. But the director chose to leave it the same. So my reaction changed 
So it was supposed <laughs> to be they were describing him and going, oh, crap, I need to get out of here. They're describing me, and now they're going to arrest me. Whereas right. it was like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't describe me. That's great. <laughs> so I, I kind of like slowly. stroll right out yeah, of here. I can just stroll right out. Well, I ran out, but because I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm getting away with this. I'm out of here. So, yeah, that was something. Wow, we really got off on a tangent there. <laughs> well, <laughs> a little bit, but. Yeah, but yeah, I that's that's. That's what we're going to do. Let's just here. put it this way. There are a lot of things that theaters think about when yes, they. Yes, there are. Put and a lot of things that, that directors and actors think about, clearly. <laughs> but <laughs> I, we, we have said that, uh, uh, or if we haven't said, we're going to say it now tangents are going to be something that you'll experience a lot on this Potentially show. Potentially wild ones. Yes. And if you have a problem with that, you can let us know <laughs> at podcast at backstage.link. And I should mention, I should have mentioned this before. We do record these in advance, so when you're contacting us, please don't expect us to answer you the following week. We may reply to emails as they come in, uh, but we're not going to address it on the show. We may at some point, if you give us enough questions, enough comments, we may cover those in a future episode, but you'll have to wait for that. Then again, we may not. Yes, but regardless, you can contact us at podcast at backstage.link. And I hope I'm always saying .link. <laughs> as far as I've noticed, you have. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, still talking about uh, selecting shows and selecting slates. What haven't we covered? Uh, we touched upon the format a little bit. Every every theater is going to do that a little bit differently depending on how they like to do it. It may also depend on the time of year that they run their season. Yeah, and I mean, certain shows do seem to work better in certain times of year. I, I personally like uh, the mystery type of stuff, I think when you've got that around Halloween is always the best. Well, that's what I thought about doing kind of the Baskervilles around then. Mm -hmm. I thought that yeah. was a good fit, yeah, but, that, but, that but that theater starts their season. Uh, this being village plays Papro starts their season in October. So normally they would have a comedy as their first slot. Mm -hmm. uh, this just worked. They don't necessarily, they might not necessarily always do like a spooky show, like kind of the Baskervilles. So right. in that case, they made an exception. Okay. Yeah, and I've had that experience as well before. I, I mean, I've directed a lot of Halloweeny shows. <laughs> you Halloween, Halloweeny, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes they've been around, you know, in the October time slot, the fall, and other times they've been completely different time of year. And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I heard uh, something interesting recently um, about the. I guess they've trended or uh village players has trended or analyzed the attendance of different time slots mm -hmm. with uh within the season and which ones are higher than others typically which could easily have to do with whatever else could be going on at that time of year sure so it was interesting i think they said it was kind of surprising i believe that they said that the january show was the had statistically been the best attended now do you think that's because it's January or because of the type of show they do in January? Well, that's, as I recall, that's typically the time slot that they would reserve for more of a drama or a mystery, usually. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure. What, or it could be the fact that it's in January. and well, I'm, I know you're not sure, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think it could have more to do with the fact that it's January mm -hmm. and there aren't as many options for other places to go <laughs> right not a lot of entertainment options out there yeah or the weather isn't you know right 
as nice conducive or it to could be just kind of places. you know the holidays are done and now we're just kind of like settling in at home and yeah let's do right. something that's, local that's certainly a possibility yeah. too i mean um, it's interesting because it's it, it is hard to tell like whether it's the type of show or the time of year and, mm-hmm. and that's why it's it's hard the that, size, that's, that's where the audience poll the size it. of the cast plays into it though too Oh, absolutely because you're <laughs> getting sales that are relatives and friends of cast members sure uh I think I even made the suggestion that, okay, it might have been for this past season slate selection, I made the suggestion, okay, well, if January is statistically better attended than March, then maybe think about casting your bigger, if you're unsure between two shows where to slot them, mm-hmm. maybe put your bigger cast show in March, and then you benefit from having the larger cast and getting more attendance that way. Or you lose out. <laughs> because it could be if you put that in January, you're going to sell out the whole run in a large cast show. Well, I guess my rationale was if January. No, I mean I understand your rationale. If you're more likely to draw more people in January anyway, and you want to get better attendance for the March show, then put a bigger cast show in that slot. But then that that just leads to the question: is that's taking the assumption that the January show is selling more because it's January and not because of what it's there, what is there. Good question. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's hard to tell. So you can experiment and be like, okay, let's put a larger cast show in March and a smaller cast in January and see what happens. These are the questions that that the theaters are facing, and that's why we like we're not going to answer them here. Right, uh, we're just kind of speculating on what they could be. Sure, and I'm sure they rely on past experience. <laughs> how do how do you think? What's your thought on? how theaters select their shows what what's your preference on on doing it i mean i personally the reason that i have been doing so many shows at barley sheep is i really like presenting directly to the membership what's your thought on that i've never encountered that myself um well just speculate then (laughs) (laughs) could you could you repeat the question in your ideal world as a director, how would you like a submission to occur? What would you be most comfortable with? What would you be most, I, I don't know, like what would what would make you the happiest as a director on how to submit? As a director. Um, in all the different ways. Or some way that we don't know of any theater that does. Is there some way that you'd like a theater to do? So would you like to submit to a play reading committee? Would you like to submit to a board? Would you like to submit on paper? Would you like to submit in person to a membership? Like, what would you like to do, ideally? That's a good question. I haven't really been involved with the membership being involved with Mm -hmm. it. It's an intriguing idea. Uh, That may, well, it depends on how well attended the membership is. If that, That may capture the angle from the who might be interested in actually participating in it. So. Yeah, I, I think with Barley Sheaf, uh, I'm almost positive, in fact, there actually has to be a minimum number of people there okay. for their, for them to be able to vote on it. And I, I don't think they've ever not hit that minimum, but I do believe there is a minimum. And there's usually a few hundred people there, I think. In my like experience, from what I'm aware of, membership meetings have not been always so well attended. Yeah, I, I, at other theaters, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Uh, most other theaters I've been involved with, if I have been to membership meetings, and, and I haven't gone to a lot of them, uh, they're usually not well attended. I think the reason that the Barley Sheaf meeting is well attended, they have the one membership uh, meeting per year, and at that meeting you vote on board members and you vote on your slate of shows. So I think that's why it's well attended. Okay. Yeah, well, again... 
them being one of the old cases of having, I'll call it membership participation in that process is mm-hmm. just different than what I'm used to. It's an yeah, I know it's idea. different what you're used to. I, yeah. I mean, personally, I like that immediacy. I like to be able to uh, to talk out what my vision is. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I've gotten to a point as a director where I'm more prepared for these things and and have things well thought out, I like being able to present that. I think the biggest quandary I see with it is it's always it can be like a chicken and the egg scenario mm-hmm. in so. terms of do you pick plays first and then find directors or do you get directors and then try and pick from what they right provide and I think that's from a theater standpoint you have to consider that but I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just talking from a director standpoint yeah. what you would prefer well I guess if I were more proactive in submitting plays then I would prefer the that approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just haven't you, been from. And and is that? I mean, are you comfortable with that? Do you prefer to just be like, all right, you know what? They've selected these plays. I'm just going to look at these and decide if I want to direct what they've selected. I think just because I haven't really, at least lately, had any pet projects, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of more approaching the angle of, okay, what are people considering, and what would I be willing to do? So if you did have a pet project. If you had something where you're like, I really would like to direct this show. What would be the ideal way for you to present that? Would you want to present it to a play reading committee? That's kind of what I've done. I mentioned this in an earlier yeah. episode. But that what, I would you, what would you want to do? I'm sick. really putting you on the spot here. I know. <laughs> uh, I liked the idea of suggesting and I mm-hmm. suggesting something to the play reading committee. Okay. Um, you know, that way I'm not necessarily committed to it right. yet. I can just get feelers out to see if there's any interest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a challenging thing. Like you kind of do need to to get an idea from the general membership. Like, are people going to be interested in this? Because I've submitted shows that it's turned out that people just have no interest in and they, and they don't get in. And mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time working on it. But like, yeah. I won't submit anything unless I'm really interested in directing right. it. I think that's, to me, is a good way to do things because it... it, it it allows me to be very sure that, yes, I'm really interested in directing the show because I'm willing to do the legwork ahead of time, not knowing whether or not it's going to get in. Right. I I guess to answer your question, I suppose that would not, not necessarily be my preferred way. Mm-hmm. It would be more along yeah, the lines of reading something. Hey, I kind of like this. This is kind of interesting to me. Let's get some other opinions. Let's see if it's interesting to anybody. Else. And an, one other play I had suggested kind of got shot down mm-hmm. that way. So I'm kind of glad well, I didn't really invest much in it. It was called Goldfish by John. I think his name was John Colvenbach. Okay. Uh, it was about, geez, I'm doing a commercial now. <laughs> uh, it was about. Maybe you'll gain some interest. If you're interested in this show, you can contact <laughs> us at podcast. At backstage.link. And maybe Jim will get it in somewhere. Thanks, Glenn. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was about a uh, young man going off to college for the first time. And he, I'm going to get all the details a little bit messed up. But he was dealing with, he was living with his dad as a single parent. But his dad really didn't have his act together and was really kind of dependent on him a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was his experience of like leaving him alone not being sure whether he could trust being able to leave him alone. And then he goes to college and... Gets a goldfish? N- no, <laughs> sorry. 
I'm not even going to remember exactly what the tie-in of right, the goldfish right. is That's to fine. the premise, but then there are two other characters, uh, a girl who's also going to the same school, and then the relationship with her mother, and I'm going to be fuzzy on the details. It's been a while since I read Sounds it. Sounds kind of like a character piece. Yeah, it's yeah. very much a character piece. So that's, To me, that's the hardest sell. So they they uh, meet each other in college, and then they start dating, and mm-hmm. eventually they're kind of torn apart because of the baggage associated with them and their own parents. Okay. See, that sounds interesting to me. I, I find character pieces are usually a really hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm... I don't know. I, I think it's equally difficult to sell it to a committee or to a membership with something like that because it's really difficult. I tried. It failed. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have read the script and, and like that kind of thing and, and like that particular character study because some of them are good and some of them are bad. Or it could just be that some of them you can't relate to yeah. more than others. Yeah, and, and I think that's a difficult sell. Um, I, to me, it's a lot easier to, to sell something plot driven and you can tell people, you know, this is exciting and this happens and then this happens. And it's kind of hard when you have to describe things and it's like, well, nothing really happens, but you learn a lot about these people. Yeah. So those, those are some of the most interesting shows sometimes. Just made me think of kind of a trend that's happened a lot with play selection over the past several years is Mm -hmm. everybody doing the same shows. Uh, that, that to me has been an issue from day one. I have always seen a lot of the same shows get repeated. And, and I mean, it, it's frustrating, but I mean, there's a reason for it. These are shows that, that are interesting shows. They're shows that people want to perform, and they're shows that people want to see. Well, yeah, I, I think especially the last one, well, the last two, really, the, the popularity aspect of it. The last two shows? People wanting to do them and people wanting to see them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of their the element of their popularity yeah. or and I mean, something that just came out for availability. Right. And that's a reason that these shows get selected. I mean, it's it's a legitimate reason. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. I'm kind of uh, in the same boat that you are where I don't necessarily like to see the same shows keep cropping up. But if that's what people want, then that's what they're going to get. I think it it's related to, I guess, an assumption about your audience again in that, well, probably more so with actors – it's frequent that many actors go to different, uh, do theater at different places sure. or different groups. An audience might mainly, you know, stick to one place and just go to one place all the time, yeah. possibly. Uh, I, I find audiences do, I, I mean, season ticket holders in particular will stick mostly to a, a single theater. A lot of directors don't move around as much. I haven't. Just yeah, I haven't like, either. Um, I mean, I have directed at like four different theaters, but most of what I've directed has been at one theater. Yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah. And as an actor, I've t- kind of tended to stick to a home theater, but I'm willing to go around more. Yeah, and I think that's probably more common with actors, and yeah. especially for these popular shows. Well, I auditioned for it here, and I couldn't get the role I wanted. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so the theater's turning I'll else. try it again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that kind of, I think, propagates that yep. practice. Um. Which we've it, kind of it has its yeah. pluses yeah. and minuses i guess yeah. depending on if it's a show you're not interested in then yeah then it's like why does this keep coming up i don't want to do it anywhere yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so well we veered off the topic a little bit but i think we've kind of discussed everything we need to discuss about play selection um like i said if if there's anything that you think we didn't cover please contact us leave a comment or uh 
send us an email at podcast at backstage.link. We will try to uh, respond to you. We will, perhaps if there's enough discussion, have an episode dedicated to discussing a past episode. Um, next week, we're going to move on to a new topic. No promises, but that will probably be uh, auditions and casting. The uh, dreaded audition process. Yes. From both sides, we'll talk about it as an actor. We'll talk about it as a director. We'll talk about it, you know. Logistically. Yes. And why you weren't cast. We will discuss that. <laughs> yes. Uh, meantime, uh, thanks for listening. As always, I'm Glenn and he's Jim. Really, I am. See you next time.